I'm Joanna Fortune, psychotherapist and author of the 15-Minute Parenting series of books. Welcome to my 15-Minute Parenting podcast, where I take a common parenting struggle and break it down with practical, playful solutions. Let's get going. Today is the first part in a two-parter where I'm going to be talking about making sense of our senses. And the reason this one came up is that over the course of interacting with you guys or the questions that come in on News Talk's weekly parenting slot, things like, you know, sensory seeking behaviors or proprioceptive touch or sensory based play, that tends to come up quite a bit, especially when we're talking about young kids, but certainly not just young kids. And a couple of people have reached out to me and said, I'd love to understand the individual senses and how we can stimulate or how we can soothe or how we can use those in a playful way. And I thought, great, let's do that. Before we kick off, though, I do want to flag that I'm not an occupational therapist. And if you have any concerns about sensory regulation, sensory processing, any challenges like that, that would be over and above in terms of they do do impact your day-to-day living or your child's day-to-day living, please do consult with a qualified occupational therapist. In today's episode, what I wanted to focus on was, in one way, I want to say the five main senses, but that's not quite right, but maybe the five that we most commonly talk about or are aware of. That will be sight, smell, hearing, taste and touch. And then in next week's episode, I want to go through three lesser discussed senses of proprioception, vestibular and introception. Before we even think about breaking them down, let's think about what our senses do for us in general. They keep us safe by constantly reading the cues around and inside of us. Some sensory input can help us to relax, feel a sense of calm, and other sensory input is more stimulating. It makes us more alert. And if we get too much or not enough of either of those, we can enter a space of dysregulation. And dysregulation means a sense of not being in control, not being comfortable. You might not be fully, fully out of control in a meltdown situation, but you're certainly not comfortable. Now, we like to use play, and that's certainly a big part of what I talk about, to provide sensory input that will help us feel more organized, more in tune with our bodies, more connected. And that is connected internally, connected to myself, but also feeling that sense of connection with others and within the world around me. Now, sensory preferences are very individual because you know what? What calms me might irritate you and vice versa. So there are lots of ways that sensory input can either soothe and regulate us or arouse and heighten us. And we we have to think about that regulatory roller coaster. Think of it like that wave that we can go up without getting out of control and we can dip down without feeling spacey and out of control. I want to talk about taste now, our taste sense, because oral input is one of the most calming, organizing, or even alerting sensory inputs that we have. Always start by thinking about that calm that comes to babies when they're feeding. You know, they can be frenetic and out of control, and then they're feeding, they're sucking, and they regulate, they calm. Or the infant who might be sucking on a dodie, 
or a young child who is sucking their thumb. It tends to be one of the most effective ways to self-regulate and support really focusing in or giving better attention to a task. And largely when you think about it, as we get older, we still do that or we still pursue it, but maybe through chewing, because that pressure to the jaw that is provided by hard chewing provides that same sensory input that's going to calm, soothe, help us organize thoughts and ultimately just promote self-regulation for us. So some people will find chewing gum reduces anxiety, increases their focus, helps them to stop otherwise fidgeting, um, and they can use it in place of something else, maybe twiddling their fingers or thumbs or picking at clothes or twiddling hair. Maybe this is something that distracts from that. Sweet foods are also calming. So, you know, I mean, think about this yourself. Have you ever craved sweets when you're super stressed out? Eating sweet foods can trigger a process in the body that creates that happy chemical in the brain, serotonin. And because it's a feel-good chemical, of course, that helps to regulate anxiety, general mood. I know myself when I'm under pressure and have a big deadline coming up, that the thing that I'll reach for over and over again are those um, sweet jellies, the sugary sweet jellies. I could just eat and eat and eat those. And At times, I want those super tangy, sour jellies. The chewing is really good for me. It helps me focus, but so the taste is very alerting. So sometimes I want that sweet and sometimes I want sour. And it makes sense because just as sweet foods are calming, sour foods are alerting and they can help to wake up the regulatory part of our brains. So when you're dysregulated, a a few sour jellies or, you know, if you're so inclined, a swig of lemon juice even will definitely bring you back to the present moment in that short short, sharp, shock kind of way. Moving on to think about our sense of smell. The entire smell system is very unique in regards to how it sends information to the brain from the nose. It is directly linked and intertwined with our emotional limbic area of the brain. Our limbic system is responsible for processing or making meaning of emotions and storing memory or recalling memory. Therefore, smell can trigger emotions and memories for us, and they can be good or bad memories. I know myself, there's nothing like the smell of fresh baked bread to conjure up memories of my grandmother who made bread all of the time. And now I try to make bread. I'm not going to say it's good bread. I don't think it particularly is, but it smells the same. And sometimes I just really crave that smell because what I'm what I'm in is pursuit of a memory, a particular memory that I want to recall. Because it can bring up good or bad memories, though, it can also impact mood and behavior in good and bad ways. Our smell is considered the most significant trigger of memory that we have, especially compared to the other senses. And that's largely because of its direct connection to our limbic system. Now, hypersensitivity to smell is fairly common, and we do see quite a bit of it. It's an especially common challenge for anyone who has sensory processing issues. It can also be very prevalent in anyone who has feeding challenges, or if you're raising picky eaters, sometimes the mere smell of the food is enough to elicit a revulsion response. And smell sensitivity is also directly linked to anxiety, self-regulation difficulties, um, you know, sensory overload leading to a meltdown, overall sensory dysregulation. 
I was talking to somebody about this recently and saying about, you know, sometimes I use particular oils in a scented burner or candles when I want to create a particular feeling for myself. And it, it, it makes total sense, doesn't it, that I would do that given that connection to our limbic area. But they were talking to me about how lots of people will use essential oils and that they can help to calm or to stimulate. So the calming kind of smells would be lavender, chamomile, even frankincense, things like that. And upward regulating smells might be peppermint, sage, citrus, tea tree, those kind of smells. So just think about that. Moving into our sense of touch, you know, we begin receiving those touch tactile signals in utero from the vibration of our carrying parents' heartbeat, which then is amplified by amniotic fluid. And touch is the primary form of communication during those first few months of life through holding, rocking, feeding, changing. All of it is touch-based, isn't it? Bathing is in there as well. And touch enhances attachment between parent and child. That is when it's of a gentle and soothing nature. However, a sudden or sharp or unexpected touch can communicate danger and serve as a cue of danger. If you're really interested, I love the touch uh, research work of Dr. Tiffany Field. She is the director of the Touch Research Institute in the University of Miami School of Medicine. And she has done amazing work with touch research in terms of low touch societies and the correlation to high aggression or high violence in children and teenagers. And she has also looked at touch with premature babies in terms of how increasing the touch for premature babies when they're in NICU, in their incubator, can stimulate growth um, at a quicker rate. So there's lots of really interesting stuff there. Um, touch, deep pressure, massage will all help to lower the stress hormone in our body, cortisol. And that can be just very generally helpful for our physical and emotional mental health. Touch is the first sense that we develop in life, and it is the last sense to leave us at the end of our life. So think about things that work for you, back rubs, massages, um, maybe a head massage, getting your hair done, maybe a hot towel shave, all of that touch and that, that sensation on the skin, using weighted items like weighted blankets or fidget toys things that can be downward regulating for us. And then sort of upward regulating sense of touch can be done through, you know, rough and tumble play, wrestling, rolling around, um, pushing and pulling and tickling. Tickling now isn't for everybody. Always ask consent and is it okay to tickle? But that kind of upward stimulating sense of touch is really important. Moving into our sight, our sense of sight provides that continuous flow of information that we use to regulate ourselves in an active and ongoing way. We use our eyes to determine if there are threats in our environment. We scan around, we take in, we assess. We specifically reference the facial and body expressions of those around us to determine if they are safe people or unsafe people and if there are threats that we might not be seeing initially. The kind of input that downward regulates us in, with our sight is about reducing movement in the environment around us, just everything going a bit slower. That whole, you know, being in the close physical proximity with trusted other people, our caregivers, 
that can actually, because they're familiar, we know their facial expressions, their body movements, that's very reassuring. And then reducing, dimming, or even eliminating bright lights or flashing lights. And I love getting outside just to observe nature, look at the blue of the sky or the blue of the sea or the green of the grass or the colors of the leaves. Just really doing that observing nature can be very downward regulating other words, calming. If we wanted to stimulate through our visual um, sense, we want to look at things that are upward regulating. That would be the opposite. So bright blinking lights, um, lots of movement, you know, uh, things that are in our vision that would have lots of contrasting patterns, stimulating colors like red, orange and yellow. Any of that is going to upward regulate us. And then the last one for this episode is going to be our sense of hearing. And again, going back to that in utero experience, infants are tuned into the sound of their parents' voices even before the moment of birth. You know, it's upon birth, babies will often recognize, you know, their parents' voices, as well as the voices of others who were in their parents' life during the course of pregnancy. You know, that could be grandparents, it could be siblings, it could even be the sounds of pets in the house that are, are familiar, somewhat familiar to them and can represent comfort. Soon after birth, then babies are learning that certain tones of voice communicate emotion. So if we're using fast paced, high pitched or low, slow, melodic tones, all of that is conveying different types of feeling and emotion to them. You know, short term memory, working memory, executive function and overall language development are all affected by how we process auditory stimulation. So we need to know about what the downward and upward regulating inputs can be. Now, downward calming stuff will be the use of headphones or other you know, noise cancelling devices, reducing background noise using a lower tone of voice or a lower octave of voice, slowing the pattern of our speech, only having one person speak at a time so it's easier to distinguish human voice from other background noise. It can also be really beneficial to blend in some visual cues as part of stimulating the auditory. Look at this now, listen to it. Look at this bright toy, let's press the button. What does it do? And repetitious patterns are helpful. Think of nursery rhymes or lullabies. You know, most lullabies are written in a particular meter that is has been established, research has shown that it's the most regulating of rhythm. So that's why it works for us. Upward regulating inputs for our hearing can include loud, unpredictable or unpatterned sounds, multiple pe pe people speaking at the same time, or even using chanting, chanting that has that rhythm of irregular intervals, higher pitched voice, faster patterns of speech. They all tend to be upward regulating. And again, we want to focus with any of this sensory stuff about coming up, upward regulating, but not getting out of control and coming down for our downward regulating without zoning out completely. So it is about that regulatory roller coaster moving in that wave up and down, up and down. So that's a little bit more detail on those five senses. And next week's episode, I will be talking about the other three, that is proprioception, interoception and vestibular senses. Thank you for listening. I'd love if you could leave a positive review, share this with a friend or a few friends, or even subscribe to the podcast. 
It really helps others to find it and helps with visibility online. You can also follow me on Instagram at Joanna Fortune or on Twitter at the Joanna Fortune. No E at the end of that. Tune in next time for more 15-minute parenting.